Hey, Bitch Talkers. This is Aaron. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 530 to 6. We are back at That's What She Said, the November edition with guest Brefni Wall, who um, has a very, very insightful and um, interesting story about international kidnapping. I'm going to leave it to Brefni to talk about her experience and other um, folks' experiences that she's encountered since her nightmare. So I'm going to pass it over to Brefni. We are live at the Social Study in San Francisco, and I'll see you on the other side. I'm going to ask some questions because this is a whole new topic. Never heard of it. Um, And I am willing to learn because it seems like it's affecting more people than we even know Uh and that we hear about. So um, the Hague Convention, what is it and how did it affect your life? Okay. Well, first of all, Erin, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, So what is it? Okay. So the Hague Convention is a law that was signed by many countries. It was a treaty signed in 1980 in October to basically any child that was abducted from another country would be sent back. So it's in tr- it's it started off as really as a really good law. I don't know if you remember not without my daughter where the yes. the Sally child yes. yes where yes. the child was um, <coughs> taken by her father to the Middle East and then Sally Field had to go in and abduct the child back. Right. So this was actually kind of in response to that. Okay. So that when kids were taken, they always assumed it would be the father that would take the child. Right. However, uh, 20 years later, they find that actually almost 80% of the cases are the mother, the primary caregiver, taking the child from from the father okay. to um, across a border. Okay. And so the, uh, that's the Hague Convention, basically. And what it what it's what it's there to do is it's a lightning quick remedy to bring the mother uh, or the child. It's really about the child to bring the child back to the habitual residence so that the normal custody hearing can be done there. And what does that mean? Because we talked about habitual residence uh, yeah. for like a minute. Yeah. And okay. it's also like it's a little screwy. Yeah. So good question. So habitual <laughs> residence um, basically. You're a U.S. citizen. You've lived your whole life. You lived 20 years in the U.S. You moved to France for six months. You're a U.S. citizen. You have a U.S. passport. All your family, always U.S. You moved to France for six months. Your habitual residence is then France. So if you move to France with your baby uh, and your American husband, for example, or wife, and you don't like it there and you want to come home because your home is the U.S., Mm -hmm. right? You're, li- you're habitually resident of France, so it means that if you take your child across a border, that child will be sent back to France, where that's its habitual residence. Even though it's a U.S. citizen, holds a U.S. passport, and you as the mom, you might not even have papers to work in France. Mm. You know. So if, say, the, the family moves over there and... If I'm understanding this correctly, uh-huh. say the mom, the, the caregiver after six months wants to come back home uh-huh. to San Francisco, but the other caregiver, whoever that is, doesn't. 
and want to and wants to keep the baby there that's uh -huh. where this all comes into play correct okay yeah. so you don't like the parents don't need to be married okay um, and it's true it's funny because you bring up a good point there I don't know if there's ever been like a same-sex couple been involved in a Hague case but I right. wanted to find that out actually but a lot of the cases you can't find out about because oh. it's just all initials okay however yeah if that's correct. If you both of you move to France or wherever you want to move, you decide to move to, oh, let's go and move to Australia. I'd love to live in Australia. You get there, you hate it, um, and your partner loves it, and you say, okay, I want to go back to the US with my kids because, you know, I, I know everything back there. It's my home, it's my family, I'm used to the healthcare system, the schools. <laughs> what you can, you I mean, if your partner allows you to you can but if they don't want you to you can be accused of child abduction you can serve time in prison you can lose your passport so it's a law that a lot of people a lot of women don't know about right. and obviously the world is smaller people are traveling now people want to travel they want to live abroad right right and people don't realize this you know and it happened to me and what can you talk about your case? So yeah, I can talk about my case. I was traveling. Um, I was on my way to New Zealand, Australia. I was traveling, stopped in San Francisco, loved it here, and uh, met an Irish guy. And um, we got married, or we got, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Then we got married. Um, honestly, like a few months into it, I was like, okay, this isn't for me. I made a mistake. You know, I was young, having fun. Yeah, I made a mistake. Um, but we went back to Ireland every year, so we went back to Ireland this summer. Okay. He came back with us uh, while we were there. He's Irish too. Uh -huh. We had an argument. He came back to the US. He filed for divorce, but he also accused me of abducting our daughter, our like two-year-old daughter. So basically I was told by that there's nothing, there's no defense for the Hague Convention either. You have two defenses that are very rarely used, grave risk, and then there's a human rights defense. Mm. Um, but obviously it's all about the kid too. So um, I was told after spending lots of money that, basic, that you have to go back to the US. Um, you either go back as a child abductor and you go to prison or they come and they take your child and you don't see your child again. So it's up to you. So I was sent back by the Irish courts and I was lucky that the Irish courts asked that I not be charged with kidnapping my child. So when I came back, I did go to the normal divorce court um, system. I did come back branded like a child abductor, mm. but I didn't go to prison. I wasn't criminally charged. I lost my passport for like five years um, and you know obviously when you're coming back and you're a child abductor the court doesn't look favorably on you and um, you know I ended up I work four jobs to pay him money uh, I guess that's kind of irrelevant but you know uh, yeah so that was it but I was one of the lucky ones I have to say that because a lot of moms like they can't go back or they can come back they go back to the country for a while but they might not speak the language or right. they might not have a green card or right. you know they might not have any legal status in that country and so they have to make a decision like do I stay here and suffer or do I 
do I go back to where I'm from and try and build a life and try and have a Skype relationship with my kids? Right. So what happened with your daughter? Oh, my daughter now is, so I currently live in Santa Rosa with my husband. I got, I did remarry um, after being single for eight years and um, my daughter lives with me now. Um, We were living, so I came back, I came back to Oakland in 09 and um, eventually you know uh, we went to mediation and he allowed me to move to Santa Rosa with our with our daughter Mm -hmm. she does see him like every other weekend so they do have a relationship but she doesn't know about any of this because she was very young at the time okay Um, but yeah so can I ask what happened so so you're in Ireland, you get in the fight, he comes back, but you were still in Ireland. Uh-huh. And then, but what happens to your daughter during that time? Well, she was with me. Okay. So, and that's what he filed, that I abducted her to Ireland. Got it, got it. But that's the other thing is like, that's a very eye-opening experience. Because I was like, well, no, he told me to stay in Ireland. He right. said, we're going to break up, but I'm going to go back to the U.S. And we'll sort the divorce out in a few months. But he actually came back and he closed all the bank accounts. And um, and then another thing, which I wasn't sure if I was going to just talk about my case, but uh, when I did come back, uh, a few months after I got back, my divorce attorney called me and he told me that uh, I owed almost a million dollars in taxes because my ex-husband had been gambling which I didn't know about and that's actually another kind of a common thread I've definitely heard of cases I know another lady in who had to go back to New York and she couldn't get a job because her credit was really bad and she couldn't figure out why Why, and it turned out that her ex-husband had opened like tons of credit cards in her name so you know I was really lucky that I was able to fight that I filed innocent spouse and I was very lucky that like it took me six years, but I just did it all by myself. I just kept going down to the IRS till they listened to me and um, <laughs> knocking on that door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, how did? <laughs> it's an incredible story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, how did you turn your worst nightmare into a nonprofit? Um, so I'm currently trying to turn it into a nonprofit. Okay. Um, it took me took me a lot of time to well for a lot of the after coming back for a long time like I worked like four jobs I would work a daycare in the morning I would go home and sleep I would get up at night I would go bartend uh, till two in the morning right. I'd sleep for a few hours so I did that for years and then I did my real estate license and I was catering and then I worked my way up to having one job as a private chef and then I met my current husband and I'm just fortunate enough now that, you know, I can, this is something I wanted to pursue. So I'm fortunate enough now that I can do that. And um, so when I came back to, there was a Facebook, that, like Facebook, it, to its credit, is good to <laughs> contact, you know, it, we, there's so some there was, pluses, there's some yeah, pluses. And one of them was that all us women all around the world, and um, especially in the U, like we would help each other. So I was very, I got like friends, like I would be called, oh, there's a girl going to be sent back to Northern California. Mm. Can you call her? Because I was kind of back and established and anyone like kind of in 
the western US like Arizona or California where I would call them and I would say hey look I was sent back a few years ago it's not that bad you know you it's different definitely but right. you know um, and so then like I was just really spurred on to like I always knew when I had time and money that I wanted to do that I wanted to give back so I'm starting a nonprofit called the Hague Collective okay and my I really want to raise awareness and um, give money to research and like support and help people like if you're going through this like when you get those papers and you're like what is this that hopefully I can put you in touch with an attorney that's not going to rip you off that's actually had a hate convention case wow. so you don't like spend lots of money and you know that you find somebody straight away who knows this law who knows like defenses that they are, there are defenses it's hard to because the defenses were all brought about before say domestic violence or coercive control mm. wherever they're like still not recognized right. so it's actually not recognized so a lot of the cases too definitely have like um domestic violence Correct. which is right. tough you know i think that was part of the sally sally fields yeah i think story it, yeah it he was. was he was abusive and that's why she wanted to get out yeah and yeah i'm i'm guessing that's probably 50% of the stories? Yeah, it, it's a lot of them. Um, it definitely, yeah, it's a lot of them. And actually, there's one going to the Supreme Court right now. And oh. that's going to be, that's a big one. It's um, <coughs> before the Supreme Court in December 14th. And it's basically American girl. Uh, she's a doctor. She met an Italian doctor. Uh, he was her lecturer, I think, in college. Mm, but mm -hmm. both of them are doctors. I don't know. And they... He could not get work here. His English wasn't great. So he convinced her to go back to Italy. But they never married. And their relationship was never great. Okay. And she got pregnant. Um, and she couldn't travel. She wanted to come back to the US. But when she was pregnant, she couldn't travel. Because right. she had a she had a tough pregnancy. Okay. And they never established where they would live. She always wanted to come back to the US. and um, But there was domestic violence so her case now actually is being sponsored by a lot of domestic violence advocates okay but what happened was when the baby was old enough she went to the US well not old enough she had the baby she went straight to the consulate she asked them for a passport for the baby okay she got her and the baby out they she went back to Ohio then he filed a hate convention mm. um, and the baby was sent back when it was like maybe two months old mm. And um, so she's claiming like her defense or her case is that they couldn't determine habitual residence because the baby was so young and that they had, and like my case too, like we had always said we're going to go back to Ireland. Right. He, she had never agreed to stay in Italy. You know, she just stayed there because she, she couldn't travel when she was pregnant. Right. And um, so that's going before the Supreme Court. So that's going to be a big one in terms of habitual residence. But also, maybe they will start recognizing domestic violence now in these cases. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, is there any, is there a preventative mm -hmm. to any of this? Like, Ooh. I, I, yeah, that's I funny people that you know. don't. Yeah. I would never think of this if yeah. I was going to move abroad and yeah. 
you know, I my fiance is right here, and if we went somewhere, and I was like, fuck this, and we have a kid, I want to yeah. get out of here, and I'm taking the kid. Yeah. And he would have, what is it that he would have the Hague Convention if he yeah, wanted he to could. in his back pocket? Yeah, yeah, he could. He could say, and yeah, so basically. Maybe the preventative is just people knowing. But well, that's the thing. Okay, so that's number one, I think, is awareness. Like, you can't control anything, right? Like, right. we can't control. Life. Yeah, you can't control who you're going to fall in love with, right? right? We fall in love with a lot of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's but a nice way to yeah, put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you certainly you can't control who you fall in love with. And you can't control circumstances of your life. But you can definitely be aware about this. Now, it's funny. I did see on the Hague Convention website that they do have agreements for people who are not married now but I don't know how far along they are mm. see what like I don't know if they would actually be recognized by the Hague because right. you can say you can say one thing but you can do something else but you can't enforce it so I don't know if it would actually I don't know if they're that's something they're actually working towards that there is an agreement um, because people travel all the time now right. you know you have people traveling and you also have like a husband from here, a wife from there, and they go to travel, they go to live in Hong Kong or... Yeah, and we have plenty of friends that do that. Yeah, yeah. you know, and actually one of the most famous cases is like an English guy married to an American woman, and they had a baby in Hawaii, but he's like a scientist, so they moved to like Chile or something, and she got full custody of the child. So you think, well, she has full custody, so they break up, and it's she. It's domestic violence case again. She wants to move back to Texas because that's where oh, she's from uh -huh. with her baby, and um, he invoked the Hague against her, even though she had full custody in another country. But it's very com well. They were all, you know, they were from different countries and right. they lived in a different country. But it's funny because Justice Stevens uh, he wrote a dissent on that, mm. and he basically said that. The husband kept coming after her uh, for the child and um, he said, well, I fear that what's going to happen is this child is just going to grow up and he's going to decide. And that is what happened. The child decided when he was 15 that he didn't want to see his dad again. Wow. And that's what stopped the Hague. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because the reason why you're at That's What She Said is because there's a documentary being filmed about your story, correct? Yeah, so, yeah, we're doing like a short documentary to hopefully raise money for a movie okay. to tell the story, to get it out there. Um, yeah. And, and, and can you talk about why you said yes to having a documentary made about your it, story? Well, it's not really about my story. Oh, um, okay. So basically, so far we've just interviewed professors and um, so there's actually, I have a book here and it's called, so this is the other thing I think, well if there's a book written about the unintended consequences of the Hague Convention, we should have a non-profit too, right? Right, right. And there should definitely be a documentary because, yeah, I think we, this, people don't know about this, you know, and I, that's it, I just want to raise awareness and I, if I can help one person from this happening to them you know that's good and that's it really it's not really about my story it's just about the Hague as a whole um, you know yeah yeah Brefni thank you for being on Bitch Talk 
Where can people find you on the internet if they have questions? Uh, or maybe if they're, they may be going through the same kind of story. Um, oh my God. Okay, currently uh, I'm hoping to start a website uh, for my Hague Collective. Um, but okay, I'm not really on social media. Good for you. You should. Apart from that. <laughs> but uh, you can, they could contact you. Or, okay. You know. They can contact Bitch Talk yeah. if they yeah. have more questions. Definitely. Perfect. That sounds great. And you can put them in touch with me. Okay. Yeah. Thank will. you so much, Erin. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. That was the November speaker for That's What She Said, Brefni Wall, talking about the Hague Convention and also the civil aspects of international child abduction. Kind of crazy. Um, thank you, Brefni, for sharing that story and uncovering it for people that don't know that's happening to other caretakers, parents um, around the world. So thank you for that. You can find Bish Talk at bishtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us at bff.fm every Monday morning from 530 to 6. We're getting Ange back for a little bit. Captain Party. So exciting. Um, so get ready for her to be back on the show. We'll have Char back on the show. Just happy to get the whole gang back. It'll feel, it'll feel normal finally, maybe. But um, until then, we are powered by GoTo Productions, and we'll see you soon. Bitch, please. <laughs> <laughs>